Hi, Nikhil. Uh, welcome to Money Matters. Very excited to have you here. And you know, I'm just going through your profile and let me read it. I'm sure everyone who's watching this will know, but, but let me still read it uh, for everyone's benefit because I found some things very, very interesting that you started equity trading at the age of 17. And uh, as I was asking you before we started this, that did you make money at 17? So we'll come to that. And then you co-founded Kamath Associates at the age of 19 to manage high net worth individuals portfolio in the public market space before going on to co-found Zerodha with your brother Nitin in 2010. And as all of us know, Zerodha is such a phenomenal success story. And personally, I'm a huge, huge fan because it's a bootstrap story, right? And, 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 and I think we have to bring Zerodha in all our conversations when we talk about new age entrepreneurships and we talk about startups in India. So what a phenomenal uh, success you guys have achieved with over a million active users, facilitating over 3 million orders daily with a daily turnover of over $10 billion. Now, these are very, very big numbers. And you command a valuation of more than $1 billion and employ 1,500 staff across the country. You know, hats off. and very excited to be talking to you. And in August 2019, Nick, you co-founded True Beacon to bring fund management experience to a global group of ultra high net worth strategic investors. And I'm, I'm very curious about this ultra high net worth uh, investors. So we will talk. So Nick, Nikhil, excited yeah. to be talking to you and welcome once again. Thank uh, you so much. You know, you are the guy who from the age of 17 has been in this business of making money and we are today talking all things money. So first, let me get going with asking you the question which I want to start with. What has been your relationship, your personal relationship with money? Thanks. No, Shraddha, it's not like I've always been making money. I think the relationship is good and bad at times. So there are times when you lose money, there are times when you make money. I think uh, the key remains to be net up. You lose less and you make more. Yeah. 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 And that comes with time and experience. Yeah, I think it comes with time. I think uh, when you're investing for a long time, you kind of become uh, non-emotional about money and making money from trading or investing. You don't really have ups and downs based on how much money you make. It becomes more of a job kind of a thing. You know? You're doing the same thing every yeah, you know, but Nikhil, I want to again bring back that you started at 17, you started trading at 17. And today, there'll be a lot of young people watching and a lot of people who wouldn't have traded before. And, and, and just from your experience, because you've been doing it, and you've been doing it over the years, very successfully, what are some of the things that you would like to tell people, especially now? You know, amid this COVID-19, because the topic here we're discussing is to invest or not to invest. So tell us about all the people who wouldn't have invested to all the young people. What would you say from your own learnings and experience? Well, I think the great thing about uh, financial markets in India is, A, they're extremely liquid. You can have a part of your savings allocated here from time to time. But also the ecosystem we live in today, your bank FTs no longer give you the kind of returns that you once got. The government does not really want people to be buying too much gold. Real estate has not done well for a while now and does not look like it will do well in the future as well. So there are not many avenues left where you can allocate capital for like, you know, a three-year or a five-year outlook. 
So everybody out there has to have some kind of exposure to the stock market. This in turn is essentially the India growth story. And I think it's a great place to begin. Uh, the kind of people who we have had coming in recently have been younger than uh, we were used to in the past. And I think the biggest lesson is to have uh, normal expectations from the market, not try to enter the market and double what you have or make extraordinary results. But if you're happy making, say, 15% a year compounded, that's a lot of money. I think when you approach the market through those lens, it becomes a lot simpler. Yeah. You don't end up using things like leverage. You don't borrow to invest. You don't do any of that, but you only allocate a part of your savings and you're happy with the 10 to 15% compounded kind of return. That long term substantially increases wealth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I, if I had to ask you, especially in the current times, you know, there's so much of volatility and there is so much of uncertainty, like I would say unprecedented uncertainty. If you have to say in this particular time, how should people look at uh, trading? How should they look, look at equity market? You shouldn't look at the short term ups and downs. I, I think the bigger story is uh, Nifty is at 9,400 right now. And you have to look at it from the point of view, that, is it a good time to enter over the next five years if I want to add some allocation right now? I don't think anybody can predict the bounces and the falls which happen in the short term. So the best thing to do is not to try and predict them. If you're happy with 9,400 Nifty, think companies are reasonably valued, you can go ahead and invest in them. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, are you seeing a lot of first-time investors entering the market right now through your platform? I have lots. lots oh, yeah. people, have, people have so much time, right? Because everybody is at home. and you know, It looks like a good thing to do to invest money. And I think if people have wanted to do this for a long time, now they finally have the time. So yeah. A lot of first-time investors right now. And, and if I may ask, and if you can diverge, what's the typical age group of people who come to your platform? I think 30. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and okay. So now uh, I want to also understand, we were talking about True Beacon, which you started in 2019, August. Tell me, who, what does it do? And, and what are these ultra high net worth individuals with whom mm. you are? So True Beacon is essentially an asset management company, much like a mutual fund, wherein it's open-ended. You can come in when you want, go out when you want. One of the big differences of True Beacon is there are no fees, like typical funds have fees. So typically in the market, you would pay, say, a 2% annual maintenance charge and annual fund charge, and you would pay a two, say 20% profit sharing, and you would have things like setup fees, exit loads, and stuff like that. So what True Beacon has done is removed all these fees, wherein we don't charge you anything to set up your uh, asset management account. There is no annual maintenance charge. There is no exit load. It's very transparent, completely open-ended. And the only thing that they do charge is a 10% performance carry-based fee at the end of the year. So if you put in 100 bucks and it becomes 110, True Beacon will charge you one as fee. Wow. Yeah, so it's different. It's only for ultra HNIs because we take a minimum of 15 crores as a starting investment. And people generally scale that up to a much larger number. Uh, there are a bunch of different buckets why True Beacon is a little bit different. We have a great track record, which uh, Ernst & Young has vetted for us over the last five years. The fee model is very attractive. It's much more efficient than the peers out there right now. 
And the third bit is a strategic angle. So once we have these ultra HNI clients, we kind of run deals between them. If client A can help out client B, we do the deal for them and we help them out and they don't have to reach out independently. Uh, even if you're a business for more, uh, growth in your industry, we will connect you with the right kind of people across the world. And this is a platform which is open for both Indians and for foreigners coming in as well. You know, if you say from what you're saying, uh, it's, it's a success based fee model, right? Yeah, yeah. Then you have to be extremely confident about your own offering. Then you then uh, tell me where does this confidence come from? This is I, I don't know. I don't know if it's confidence or uh, we haven't actually done the right thing and we don't know what we are doing. But I think for it's so humble because you guys have clearly a good pe uh, pedigree in doing this. You've established yourself. Uh, but how did you think about a model like this? Well, I think it, it originated from me dealing with a lot of private banks when I was trying to personally invest money and the kind of nonsense that they put you through, you know, they make money when you set up the account, if you want to take out your own money, then you have to pay a fee, an exit load. And even if they don't make money for you for five or 10 years, they still charge you 2% a year. Mm. And that aggregated becomes a significant corpus of your actual investment. Yeah, so I was really troubled by how they were dealing with me. And I thought, you know, somebody has to come there and change that. Yeah, yeah we still don't know. We still don't know how well it might do to begin as a company. But we've been around for about eight months now and it's done fairly well. I think the markets are down 20%, but True Beacon is up about 10%. How, uh, True Beacon is up by how? how about 10%. 10%. 10%. Wow. Yeah. wow. While the markets have been volatile. Yeah. And it's not even a year, right? It's yeah, like yeah. 2009. Eight months. Yeah. I wish I had the money to give you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take anything you can give us, Shraddha. <laughs> You know, coming back to Zerodha, uh, many people are asking, and I want to ask you this question, that you're bootstrapped, you're highly successful, such a credible name and, and performance. How do you, uh, and I'm very silly, but I'm going to ask because all of us are always very curious about how do you make money in Zerodha? Brokerage. So, I mean, it might not seem like a lot when you hear only 20 rupees for an intraday transaction for like delivery based equity investment, we don't charge anything. But I think this 20 rupees over many cycles adds up because of the scale, right? But brokerage is essentially how we make money at Zerodha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Nikhil, uh, a question. Uh, yeah. You see so many people trade and you've been doing this since the age of 17. And today, you know, the gamut of experience that you have with a 30 year old, maybe trading for the first time to the ultra you know, high net worth individuals with whom you work. Tell me, when it comes to growing money, right? And mm -hmm. I could have like 1 lakh or 50,000 yeah. to someone who has yeah. psychology behind growing money over the years. Mm -hmm. What have you seen works? I think uh, the fads which are prevalent in our industry, like, you know, a lot of people look at charts and they they make an assumption that what has happened in the past will happen again in the future. There are many fundamental analysts. There are many people who follow sentiment. There are many quants who trade based on mathematics. There are a whole bunch of different things. I think they all work at some level and they don't work at some level. So you can't really say one is better than the other or which one you should use. 
But I think a combination of all of them, which works for you, is something you should do. But you'll figure out what works for you with time. I think it's not uh, it's not the kind of industry wherein you read a book and you get really good investing. I think it's you lose money a few times and then you get better. <laughs> Does the ten thousand hours <laughs> apply to making money? I th- I think it does, but I think the key is don't lose too much money during those ten thousand hours. Then you <laughs> invest. And if I, you know, if I am on Zerodha platform or I am in your True Beacon platform, how do yeah. you ensure that I don't lose too much of money? Do you have something to help first time? Well, unfor- unfortunately, we can't really control what people do. But I think in terms of education, we try and do what we can to make sure that people are educated about the basic principles of investing and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and now that you're here, many people, you know, I'm seeing so many questions over here. People are asking, which are some of the sectors in industry we should keep an eye on for a span right. of one to two years? Right. Well, I, I like pharma and IT right now. Okay. I think, uh, they're generally sectors which don't see too much short-term turbulence or volatility. They're kind of like a good place to hide when things are not going okay, you know, when things are going up and down. I personally don't really like real estate and the whole construction and infra space right now because I think the repercussions of the coronavirus will be significantly worse on special real estate and residential real estate than it would be for other sectors. So I would lean more towards IT. I would do pharma, I would do a little bit of FMCG, maybe, you know, buy some Hindustan and Britannia as well. But stay away from sectors which have too much inherent leverage in them. I think companies which have borrowed for the last few years and, you know, they spend 50% of what they make servicing that interest, I think it's very hard for some of those companies to survive going forward. Yeah, yeah. You know, I heard uh, that the DMART stock has been consistently performing, right? Yeah, yeah. I think they're a great company. They're a very well-run company. And I don't think they're too aggressive and grow beyond their means. The CEO, Neville, is actually a really good friend of mine. And I think uh, from the day that they have started, they have known what their niche is and they're stuck to that. They're not like a... Uh, you know, DMART didn't start making the software or didn't start doing a hundred different things which companies tend to do when they do so well. They're still sticking to their niche, which is, I think, a good thing to do. Yeah. And, 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 and again, of course, you talked about the sectors, but so many are asking that yeah. what stocks to pick up <laughs> at this time, which will make money? It's very hard to predict. I think <laughs> nobody knows. I mean, if, I wish I knew what stock is going to go up. But generally, it's a good idea when things are not going well to buy the largest of companies. So maybe stay away from small cap, mid cap companies, don't buy penny stocks, and focus your portfolio onto large cap companies, buy the nifty stocks, and uh, keep like some kind of diversification going. You know, Don't buy one stock, but buy a basket of five or 10 stocks at least from different sectors. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Again, coming back to the current uh, times, you know, today is a good news in Bangalore because we are seeing at least some relaxation in the lockdown. Uh, but again, very, very volatile uh, for all of us, volatility and uncertainty. Do you think people should invest right now or wait for some time? And that's a question coming from a lot of folks. Mm-hmm. I think now is not the worst time to invest. I don't know if that sounds positive or, you know, 
it sounds negative, but at 9,300 Nifty, and you've seen the markets correct 5% today, I don't think it's the worst time to invest. If you're looking from, say, a 5-10 year perspective, you want to build a portfolio, it's okay to add like 25% of that amount right now, I think. Okay, so you would say... Yeah, yeah. I have... Yeah, I have a slightly cynical opinion of all that is going around right now. So, I mean, it's terrible and whatever is happening in the world is, you know, like devastating lives of millions of people. But the way I look at it, if a virus has, say, under 3 or 4% fatality rate, even if the worst thing that could happen happens and everybody gets it, the 97% of the population which survives I think they still need industry, they still need roads, they still need transportation, they still need everything. So I, I wouldn't make a case for the entire economy to, you know, go to the docks just because of the virus, because I think in either scenario, we will get over the sum. Yeah. Nikhil, uh, like, I'm just taking the liberty of asking this question. You said pharma is a very interesting space. And mm-hmm. I want to ask you, you know, this, this, this whole discussion, especially during this COVID time, which is going on, is generic versus patented uh, uh, drugs, right? And the companies, mm-hmm. if you look at it internationally, which are doing very well, uh, and I wouldn't name them in particular, but are, are the companies who own the patents. And I just mm-hmm. wanted you to tell us, especially in India, what's your view uh, mm. in terms of the space and, and what is your stand on uh, mm. patent versus generic drugs, especially for these kind right. of companies? Right. I think our industry is predominantly generic. Right. I don't think we, we spend that much money in research or we are the ones inventing the drugs. In most cases, we are creating this for another company outside. But I think in one way, it's good because... Uh, all the pharma companies in India, at least the large ones, their contracts are long-lasting contracts because there are no surprises that are expected because a certain genetic drug will need to be produced in large quantities for like five years or 10 years. And I think in times like this, for these companies to sit on these long-term contracts kind of gives them some kind of a foresight into what their performance might be over the next five or 10 years. Yeah. I like generic pharma companies. I don't think we have the... We have the ecosystem prevalent in India to really do a lot of patent research kind of, you know, the whole drug discovery bit. But I think even the generic companies have a good outlook, at least for the next five to 10 years. Yeah, especially because the market is so large here, right? Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And it's not going to go away. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, you know, so many questions. I don't know if I should like the questions are pouring in on the market. Which one to pick? Uh, right. uh, and I don't know if I should pick up maybe all these questions people can pose you on uh, Twitter. But I would like to get more in terms of uh, 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 maybe specific questions. Uh, why should someone look at Zerodha and why not? open a DMAT account with other banks, Carvi, and all these other players. Why Zerodha? I think it's a more efficient service. It's more transparent, it's cheaper, it's more efficient. And you have more tools available here than you would have with a bank and stuff like that. I don't think that distinction between discount brokers and banks really exists anymore. Because nowadays, discount brokers of yesterday probably have more services to offer than the banks of yesterday. 
they're on very they're on a very level playing field right now. I think you should pick your broker based on the product more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, I was going through your uh, website last night, mm-hmm. and I could see that they were so and and they they were a lot of passionate. And I think people who are trading are generally very passionate. But all of them had very high uh, things to say about the platform and the tech that you have built. Right. Just take us, you know, if you could quickly take us through this journey because it is a phenomenal journey, right? Like uh, bootstrapped, getting so many users, and they are increasing. day after day how what are some of the things that you guys have done right i think we got really lucky and found a person called kailash i think all credit for everything kind of goes to him and uh, uh all the tech has definitely been driven and led by him and i think it would be better actually i'll connect you guys the next time maybe we can have him on and he can break down the tech and actually describe it very well yeah yeah sure uh, and the other thing that you zerodha uh, uh, takes pride in that you've never advertised but you've still managed to get so many users millions of users how have you done that i think most of it has been word of mouth we've never done any marketing or put out ads or anything like that uh, people who have used our product have liked it and they have started speaking about it and one person tells somebody he opens an account and that person tells somebody i think people come to us for the experience in the product versus you know the whole ad cost of acquisition going out spending money and getting people in. yeah uh, would you be bullish on hospitality and aviation sector because you mentioned people are going to need transport in the next 2 3 years actually a lot of really smart people across the world are buying into hospitality right now i mean uh, i saw that uh, bill ackman in a bunch of like really uh fund managers who have done well in the past are buying into hospitality again because i think in many areas people have kind of overestimated the scale that this problem might go to yeah and, and i think i mean we are in bangalore today morning things were starting to look better again right did you try yeah. work yeah and i could see so many outside liquor shops it's like i know i know i watched signs <laughs> <laughs> yeah But the strange thing, these liquor shops were good-looking shops, but the people standing in the line looked like migrant workers, didn't they? Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, yeah, yeah. But you know, there some fancy shops had fancy looking, and some uh, had migrant workers. But the the thing is, like stock market, every like you know, you have ultra H and I's and yeah, timers. Everyone is out there. So. Yeah. yeah. But what you are saying is that things will pick up, and I, th- I think they have to. I mean, yeah. the consequences: everybody getting the virus, and a, you know, a whole bunch of us will probably build some kind of herd immunity. A bunch of things will happen. But after that, beyond that, things have to improve. Yeah. I think. I hope. I think it should happen. Nikhil, I have a question to you, and again, I'm going back because honestly, I'm very impressed that you started equity trading at the age of 17. Uh, uh, tell me, what was some of? How did you learn? Because a lot of people are asking this question for the first time, traders. How do we learn? How do we start with our investment? Well, I think I was a little bit lucky because I had Nitin, and he was also trading by then and stuff like that. But I would recommend. you know there are a lot of great books that you can begin with a bunch of books which speak about other traders lives 
are actually a good place to start because they're not too technical and they're interesting. They're like interviews with traders of different eras and, you know, how they started off, uh, what worked for them, what did not work for them. I think Market Wizards is a good book to start off with if somebody wants to, you know, just start investing. Okay. Market Wizards. Yeah. It's a book by, what's his name? Jack Schwager. Question. How through Zerodha can we invest in foreign stocks? We're working on it right now. We're uh, building a platform which will enable them to invest in foreign stocks. I think in a couple of months, we'll be able to detail out how it can be done. Okay. You know, so many questions are coming. I'll be selfish and ask some of the questions I have for you. True Beacon. Again, let's go back to ultra HNIs and, and, and tell us the behavior of the rich and the famous <laughs> and, and tell us uh, the whole aspect of wealth creation. You know, we had Kunal Shah coming for the first episode of Money Matters. Nice. He said that salaries don't make money. You don't mm. become rich by salaries. You nice. become rich by the non-salary, the wealth and right. growing that wealth. Tell us some of the psychology of how to get rich. I, I can tell you a very interesting aspect right now. What, what I'm noticing in the ultra rich today is everybody seems to be preparing for some kind of an inheritance tax. So we don't have it in India right now where when I give my wealth or you give your wealth to your son or your daughter, you don't pay any tax. But people think that there is something like this which is going to come. It's around the annual. And they're preparing for it any way they can, you know, giving the child what he was to get 10 years later today, setting up trusts, doing a whole bunch of things to help prevent paying that tax whenever it comes up. Yeah, it should, no, come. Don't even, ah. What is your view on this? No, no, I'm, I don't have kids. I'm totally for it. I'm also, I don't have kids. I'm also <laughs> for it. And I don't have wealth, so I'm also yeah. for it. Uh, but you think, uh, yeah, it looks like that we will have an inherent tax sooner or later, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I think there's precedent as well. I mean, the UK has estate taxes. America has inheritance tax. Yeah. Countries in Southeast Asia have a lot of inheritance tax. I think it should come. I think it makes sense. I think uh, to cull this income or wealth divide that we have right now, something has to be done. The rich are paying higher taxes now, but uh, inheritance tax will go a long way in helping. Uh, I think this income disparity has gone to such a point that the rich themselves have to understand that, you know, if they don't lower it, it's going to be bad for them too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nikhil, I have to ask you this. Uh, mm. You, Nitin, both of you, uh, if sorry if it's a personal question but i have to ask you i did, did you guys come from a rich family or did you create it yourself all your wealth so we didn't come from a rich family we came from a middle class family our dad used to be a bank manager in canada bank wow okay yeah, yeah we did yeah okay and, wow. and 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 you know i i wanted to particularly ask this because mm -hmm. somewhere just want to bring the aspect of self-made and the way you both have and, and, and you have built this uh, startup, which is today so iconic and a benchmark in terms of without raising money, how do you build a large business? Mm. And for everyone watching and more so all the entrepreneurs and people watching, you know, tell us, give us some of the <coughs> on what did you do? What were some of the good habits that you had to mm. build this kind of business? Shada. I think in many ways, we got very lucky being where we were and when we were. It could have been 
it will it will probably be extremely hard to do the same thing and for it to work again today i think uh, we entered the ecosystem after the 2008 crash so we did not have a lot of competition per se at that time or new things happening in the market one great thing i think we always had was transparency we showed clients exactly what is happening behind the wall whereas a competitors kind of had this wall and you know the client could only see a certain aspect of their business i think that has helped us and uh, i think yeah it could be a bunch of factors but it's very hard to say that what worked then will work now or what worked then is a good way to beat right yeah, now but one thing i am learning from you and i'm sure everyone watching is learning because we read this in books that mm-hmm. some of the people who consistently perform and and do well and succeed are people who have a sense of gratitude and what i think is that you have that and you are looking you're not saying that it was just us but i think you guys would have worked very hard but you're saying that it's also luck and if you see world over people who do well uh, mm-hmm. bring in that element of uh, luck but coming back what you also mentioned that putting in consistent hours Mm-hmm. to trading to this kind of business starts yielding rewards so yeah. tell us about that it does eventually it does so i'll tell you the thing with i'll give you my personal example of how trading used to work i think when i began trading and i was significantly younger uh i was big on this whole technical and analysis kind of stuff so i would read a lot of books on say candlestick charting or the different technical parameters which are out there and i would look at charts and try to recognize patterns and base my investing based on that i did it for i think a few years lost money a few times made money a few times but then eventually i kind of like uh moved away from it because at some point i started believing that uh market activity is random and not necessarily cyclical if i'm looking at patterns in uh, random numbers i don't think i will you know find it because the future is very unpredictable so i moved away from that then i did the whole fundamental analysis for a bit and you look at which stock is cheap which stock is fairly valued which does not have a lot of uh, leverage on its books and stuff like that did that for a while a couple of years then i went off it then for a while i would look at sentiment what is the fii doing when he's putting money into india uh what are the promoters of a certain company doing stuff like that then after a while i moved away from that and now i had a quant phase after that when you know i would set rules in place which would execute uh, transactions on their own did that for a while moved away from that now i do a combination of all of this i think uh, what i give most importance to is sentiment and uh, generally at the end of it outside of numbers and everything else i think if you're able to gauge what smart money is going to do or what people with the largest corpus are doing right now i think is a good way to gauge direction you can do it by a bunch of information which is publicly available i think a good place to start is to see what the foreign institutions are doing what the domestic institutions are doing what the promoters of certain companies are doing i think all the information together you get a better sense of sentiment yeah you know, i wanted to ask you now that you're uh, talking about sentiment the us stock market went down but it also picked up right despite of a quite a negative sentiment over there 
after the corona scare you mean like yeah yeah, the- yeah 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 but so have we so we fell from say 12400 all the way down to 7000 whatever now we are back up to 9500 they have recovered faster than us yeah yeah so in the in the corona cycle they are ahead of us so i think their solution is closer than our solution is yeah Yeah. but at the end of the day like you're saying it's all about sentiments right like yeah yeah i don't think this problem has to get solved i think the markets will recover when we know that the problem will get solved 12 months down the line or whatever cuz market forward looking they don't react on news they react like much before the news actually comes up you know few people have asked so let me just bring this in particular i don't know why regularly the question is coming what do you think of reliance <laughs> I quite re- like Reliance. I hold a lot of Reliance. I think uh, the amount of effort they're making to get rid of all their debt, and they claim to be able to do it by 2021, I think is incredible. I think he's a smart man who sees that there will be a lot of uh, opportunities in the future. There will be a lot of uh, uncertainty as well, and he wants to pare down all the debt. A large company like Reliance, there are a lot of uh, benefits to having debt. become more tax efficient there are a bunch of reasons why it is good to have that but for him to go out there and do this on his own i think is incredibly good so i like reliance and i hold reliance okay okay maybe i can start my first investing with reliance stock <laughs> uh, one of the questions you know one of the things most of the people in this show have been talking about and investors particularly investors mm-hmm. startups they've been saying and the advice has been that look at capital preservation right now and right. and preserve everything that you have and especially if you're a business owner especially if you're a salaried person uh, yeah. but today i'm talking to you to a person who's <laughs> saying little bit you can look at if you're looking at growing your wealth to mm-hmm. dabble a little bit in stock market what would you talk, what would you say well i i have like a portfolio that i recommend this works for anybody who's say if you have 10 lakhs rupees of saving want to invest i think right now at this point in time you should do maybe 55% large cap equity and you should do 30% fixed income fixed income could be a bank fd i would recommend gsex or tax free bonds which carry a sovereign guarantee they're safer than tax uh, they're safer than bank fds and pay a little bit more as well and the balance money that you have you can you know do whatever fancy thing that you want to do you know you can buy some gold you can buy some physical commodities or short term investments that you like i think that's a reasonable portfolio to hold at this point thanks nikhil this is very advisable <laughs> i'm also going to go back and listen to this and look at <laughs> uh, coming back i i have to ask you this question about investing in startups So now right. you are also working with ultra high net worth individuals right. Right. you yourself are so successful what do you have to look what do you have to say about investing in startups as an asset class honestly i i don't really like it a lot but i think uh, nitin does a lot of startup investments uh, why don't you like it i think they're most of them are kind of like overvalued i don't think they're they represent fair value i think it's become so cool to have a startup in the last 5 years that people just want how much ever money they can come up with in their you know and most of these companies are not net net cash flow positive they don't really make money and me personally i think that uh, the odds of winning at that game are not very high but the two or three companies which do well out of 
generally take care of the other seven losing bets but i don't like that kind of ecosystem you know i'd rather buy something which gives me 10% a year than bet on 10 things wherein one might double in a year it sounds very logical what you are saying it's very hard to hear also what you especially representing the startup ecosystem and, uh, like are you guys looking at what is what are you, what are you looking at an ipo yourself for zerodha no not really we are not i don't think uh, like we don't have any debt on our books nor are we looking to raise some capital from outside because honestly we wouldn't know what to do with it like if the idea is to raise capital and spend it on marketing to get more clients those kind of clients are generally not very sticky and i don't know if that's the path we want but you have you are one of the largest broking firms in the world right in terms of the number of transactions yeah in terms of how much money they make no yeah of course i'm sure then it is the dollars and all that right yeah. like uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah and this is all purely organic yeah it is purely organic yeah in india largest by far now and it is organic Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, there's a question. Zerodha opened its non-banking financial company license in 2019. Uh, you aim to make loans more accessible to retail investors and not just high net worth individuals. Tell us about that. And especially now, what do you think about these N- NBFCs? <laughs> okay. So uh, we're planning something for small ticket investors. I, I don't think it's out yet. When it's out, I'll tell you. But generally, I don't like NBFCs in the market. You are opening, no? I uh, know, I know, I know, I know. But uh, our intention of the NBFC is completely different. But NBFC as a model, as a business model, companies which borrow money from, you know, say a bank or wherever, and then in turn give it out at a slightly higher yield. Uh, as an investment, I don't like. I try to kind of deviate more towards bank and stay away from NBFCs. I'd rather buy a SBI than a Bajaj Finance, essentially. Ah, okay, okay, fine, got it. Uh, someone was saying that the lending sector would be very badly hit. Well, I'm I'm sure the NPAs will go up. I mean, it was such a big problem before all of this. I think this it's going to be ten times bigger than it was going into the virus and be coming out of it. But how bad it actually will be, I think we we'll only have to wait for time to tell. Yeah, 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 yeah. Daily trades have doubled from 3.5 million to 7 million. Did this happen recently? Yeah, it did. I think, like I said, a lot of people have a lot of time right now because of the violence. So everyone sitting at home and trading. So for you, you actually saw a spike in your usage yeah. Yeah, during yeah. this like, time, in the last like one a, month. The last one month and even before that, I think the last couple of months, like significant spike. Wow, interesting. Uh, I think we're one of the few businesses which has not got badly hit by Corona, luckily. Yeah, yeah. No, and, and, and I'm sure it's also one of the places one will look up to. No? We've been discussing a lot that there are so many salary cuts which are happening, so many layoffs happening. Right. And if, right. like you're saying, this is a space where if you have little liquidity, then if you invest, then there is a possibility of growing your money. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it's a great uh, space, not only for us as brokers, but people coming into the market right now, investors, there are many opportunities out there. I think nobody knows when the absolute bottom will be, 
but now is as good time as any to start investing okay yeah no good that you're saying this because uh, uh, we've just been hearing about capital preservation so at least what you're saying is a different uh, but what you're saying is also look at a certain percentage of the money yeah, that you yeah. have extra money that you might have but yeah speaking about capital preservation a lot of investors have been speaking about of course this is also for companies startups right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you have to there you should have capital preservation they spend too much money to begin with anyway coming back to true beacon what right. are if we if people have to go back and look at the model and 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 uh, what are some of the comparisons that you would give to true beacon in india is it one of the very few or there are some successful analogies yeah. to this there are i think this one is extremely niche wherein it focuses only on the billionaire or say the extremely wealthy crowd how many billionaires do you have in your platform there are a couple yeah a couple means two <laughs> no little more than two yeah okay. unfortunately we can't speak about them but for 8 months i think we've got the first 25 clients have come in all of them put in a minimum of 2 million and typically they will scale it up to 10 20 million per wow wow Wow. Yeah, so that kind of money only the really rich can afford, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it also signals to me the kind of capability that you built and the trust you would have built, right? It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is very difficult. I think uh, rich people are a little more entitled than non-rich people and they ask you so many more questions and call you so many more times. Yeah, and you're practically if I may, I don't know if it's correct to say, but you're practically taking away business from traditional banks right and traditional players who with whom they would have worked otherwise yeah. yeah yeah but these guys are very smart you know the reason they allocate money to a certain place is because they have figured it's a better place for them to park money yeah to grow money yeah yeah and this whole fee structure in this industry has kind of pissed everybody off so somebody had to change it around a bit so what i'm hearing is that in true again coming back for everyone who's watching in true mm-hmm. beacon the innovation in the model i would say is that people put their money and once they make the money then you take your cut and that cut is baby 10 times smaller than how much they pay in fees right now wow yeah yeah and 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 you don't take a fees yeah we don't take a fees and it's very transparent so typically a product like this it's an alternate investment fund a category 3 alternate investment fund so typically something like this you will only get to know what your money is doing once a month but we give them a dashboard where we show them what they any reads today if they want to withdraw their money they can do it on a live basis and they will get the money in 48 hours uh things like these don't sound like big improvements but they make the product significantly more transparent chats up yeah yeah Tell me, you had said initially that infrastructure, uh, re, uh, real estate are going to be, you know, art spaces which are hit. And you said real estate is not one of your favorite spaces. Yeah, it isn't. See, I'll, I'll give you an example. We used to have a sales office with over 500 people sitting in it. Now they've been working from home for a month and a half, and they're working from home and being more productive than they were while they were at office. you save the one and a half hours of travel time that you put them through you save infrastructure cost and your margins go up as a company and we are a small company in a small example of that but see the largest employer in india tcs is saying they will only have 25% of their workforce working this within 5 years 
and most companies are coming out and saying this i think there will be so much commercial real estate which comes out onto the market with no buyers it will have like a effect on every other form of real estate as well and i don't know why but for us it's a cultural thing for indians it is so much more efficient to rent in india but we end up buying the home because of it makes absolutely no sense i mean at 1 and a half 2% rental yields you do so much better of renting a home than buying a home yeah i think there are many factors at play here also the real estate companies are extremely leveraged in india and there's a lot of debt in the books there's a lot of unsold inventory out there so for many reasons i'm bearish on real estate but uh, i think the biggest reason remains that even after all this they're not dropping prices significantly which makes it look like a bubble it is no yes i think i think commercial real estate will come down and maybe home rentals will go up because people will mm-hmm. want to stay in better places <laughs> right because yeah, of could be. yeah, yeah. Could be. yeah who knows who knows yeah. you know there's a very nice question let me ask you this from an anonymous attendee from okay. a psychology perspective what are the investment habits that make the ordinary people wealthy given you have started working closely with hnis right i think generally from a psychology perspective i think when you were to value fear and greed on a even plane let's assume there is a 50% chance that you will make 55 rupees of profit but there is a 50% chance that you will lose 50 rupees you'll generally you know not go with the, that transaction overall i think uh, people are programmed in such a way that they are really scared to lose money and uh, especially when it comes to trading and investing they take long shots on money and then do not like to realize the losses while they are happening and continue to hold it for perpetuity so there are many tiny intricacies but i think one of the simple ways to look at it is don't look at your investment from a emotional place be extremely stoic about it like think of it as a computer which is doing its own thing and don't let the outcome affect you i think when you start doing that when you first come to the realization that a you don't know what is going to happen b this is what you have decided to do and then you will look at it like a computer and not get emotionally affected by the outcome i think is a good place to start how do you get there nikhil you get there i think uh, if you lose money like 5 10 times you'll be there <laughs> just make sure you're not losing too much money in the beginning yeah so basically you're saying that yeah like uh, yeah don't get your shirt yeah you'll figure out your own rules along the way and you'll do okay but don't lose too much money at the beginning start with you know like 10000 rupees and then incrementally add more next year and then next year and scale it up like yeah yeah okay uh so the, the other one data is something important in today's world what kind of data and data analysis tools do you use to build your portfolio and trade with true beacon well we use reuters and bloomberg a lot so most of our research data comes from there uh there are many free resources which are available where you can get data like i'm talking about corporate numbers I like a tool called Screener, which is free. Uh, you can get data in a very uncluttered form. I think, which is very important. 
normally people just throw all kinds of data at you but these guys do a good job of removing some of the clutter a great place for uh, financial news i think is finception i really like the kind of articles they write okay finception finception yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah uh, i want to ask you now some non uh, two beacon and zero dha questions what yeah. have you where you know where have you seen in your personal life money coming most handy uh feels like i should want to tell you something but feels like i should say something else so no maybe... but just say tell me it but <laughs> i think i think i think uh, where has money been the most handy i think there's a certain amount of money which makes you feel a little bit secure about life yeah i think i'm i'm generally a insecure person but uh, i think there i don't think it's the spending money but it's more knowing that you're okay kind of you have it when you will need it type yeah, of yeah 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 i get what you're saying yeah. and what is what the what is one or what is the most expensive thing you bought with money i don't think i'm very vain a lot of people will disagree like my family <laughs> if nitin's watching this he would but uh, i think i spend a little bit of money on watches watches i like watches i like old watches like the old mechanical thing and all and anyways they're now rare and vintage no yeah Because i know i, I like that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and do you have a money goal in life that okay i have to like all of us have no that itna ho jayega then we will retire matlab and wo age hote jata hai but you don't retire wo money bhi nahi hota yeah. but do you have like a money goal uh not a number per se but i don't think so no 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 i would like to sound all cool and altruistic and say you know it's not about like i don't care about the money of course i do <laughs> I don't have a number set in mind or something. I think somewhere along the line you're fine, kind of. You know, I'm yeah. at that point where I don't have many money goals. Yeah, you know, I want to ask you. Like, I go through this question. I feel very money insecure. Like, to be very honest, mm-hmm. I've always been money insecure. Mm-hmm. But there's a part of me which is also very spendthrift and doesn't calculate money. Right, right. And there's like this is such an ambivalence. Do you mm-hmm. see? Do you feel you're like that? Do you see people like that? Like who are insecure also and they spend yeah. like there is no tomorrow also. Yeah, yeah. I see it. I see them a lot. I think most people are actually like that. They want to be more uh, uh, careful about spending money, but the ones who want to be most careful end up spending the most. Money. Yeah. <laughs> I think there is some divergence there between what you think and what you end up doing. Yeah, and anyone whom who has impressed you in the way they handle money? Uh, who has? Who has impressed me? You don't mean a professional money manager, somebody? No, I, no, no. Yeah, just someone you know uh, whom you've said, "Oh, this person has such a great sense about money." Well, Besides the guy, yourself and your brother. <laughs> the guy I was talking about, Kailash. I think he has. he handles money well i think he gives away is very charitable a large extent of what he makes and i think he has the right kind of he's like our moral compass in a way you know yeah yeah okay and last before we close i want to i want you to talk about what zerodha did during this covid time you know you contributed yeah. to one of the organizations right yeah. and yeah. the money tell us about that yeah. so we did a bunch of things i think uh, we made a big contribution to the pm cares fund first 
we did some work with the covid hospital in bangalore uh we did some work of supplying meals we were doing about i think right now we're at about 15000 meals a day like hot meals which get cooked at our, one of our investment partner restaurants and gets uh, delivered to like you know different migrant communities and slums in india we were working with a bunch of politicians and doing ration kits uh wherein we give 5000 at a time ration to different pockets of town we are doing uh, we're doing a campaign actually which is a little bit different so uh so we there's a lot of uh, religious divide in our ecosystem right now you know a lot of people be preaching hate in one way or another we started a campaign called humanity first wherein hindu volunteers will go into muslim communities and distribute uh, uh ration kits here in bangalore in bangalore wow in, with no other branding but the fact that it says humanity first in hindi kannada and urdu and then the muslims do it in hindu neighborhoods i think people on the ground nobody really hates each other we don't really care but yeah. i think the propaganda has gone to you know another level now and something has to be done to counter it in a way we are trying a little bit of that that's an interesting one wow wow you know you know this is such a phenomenal story young people successful and giving back in the real sense without making too much of noise because anyways you guys don't advertise <laughs> 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 nikhil very very good talking to you and i hope uh, you know i'm hoping because there's so many questions I, uh, people are asking and they'll hate me because they're asking which stock which should be invest in reliance now or later <laughs> and there's so many uh, questions i hope that we will continue having this conversation and i Definitely. hope to talk to you more in money matters Definitely. thank you thank you and so i love much. your humility thank you so much thanks a thank lot you.